previously on Wove Inspiration. It's it's hard sometimes when you're in the pain to see your way out of it, but just know that God is there with you. He's never left you or forsaken you. So all you have to do, the only thing that I said was, I need you, God. And mm. he was there already waiting to help me. And he had people praying for me, people I didn't even know. So God has assigned someone to you to pray specifically for you and to help you come out of whatever you're in and to usher you into the purpose that he has for you. This is Wove Inspiration. Here to inspire, encourage, and uplift. Well, good morning and thank you so much for tuning in to Wove Inspiration's Monday Morning Motivation. I am your host, Althea Richardson. And today, well, today is going to be a little different because I'm doing part one of a two-part interview with my special guest. Her name is Jennifer Corona. Jennifer is the founder of Mending Wounded Hearts Ministry, a nonprofit faith-based organization formed in on the 10th anniversary of her freedom. She is a survivor of 30 years of unspoken and unexposed extensive trauma, including molestation, teen dating, abuse, and rape. Despite all that she endured, she continued to pursue her education and received two associate's degrees in criminal justice and business administration. Her willpower and devotion have catapulted her and allowed her to become highly trained in advocacy, educating, and mentoring victims of abuse. Her words to all is to never stop fighting, never give up on your dreams or the desires of your heart, no matter how long it takes. Keep stepping forward until you reach your goal. And remember, you are beautiful, worthy, loved, and created with a purpose. Most of all, always remember you are enough. So it is my pleasure and honor to present to you part one of Miss Jennifer Corona's story. I am so glad to have on my show today a special guest, and this is going to be a two-part series with Miss Jennifer Corona. Jennifer has got a story out of this world, you guys, and I really need you to really pay attention to what she has to say because I believe that this is going to make a major difference in someone's life. This woman is a true example of what it means to be more than a conqueror. So I, I just want to introduce to my listening audience, Miss Jennifer Corona. How are you doing, Jennifer? I'm blessed. Thank you. Amen. Amen. So, wow, looking over your, your story, and we've talked um, an extensive amount of time about your, your story and everything, but for the listening audience, I need you guys to understand this woman here, she has survived. 30 years of unspoken and unexposed extensive trauma that includes molestation, 
teen dating abuse and rape. That is phenomenal. And this woman is, she can tell her story with confidence. And so because this uh, particular topic is a little sensitive, if you have little ones around that may be listening, um, I suggest that you might want to put them in a different room because this is this is a pretty deep subject. So, Jennifer, um, I want you to actually start from the beginning um, of your story. Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, for me, um, the sexual abuse began at four years old, and um, it was actually by an uncle, um, someone that I was very close to. Uh, my parents both worked a lot, so they thought, okay, you know, they were going to leave me with my grandmother. I mean, nobody expects, you know, a family member to harm their child. So it began, you know, at four years old by one of my father's closest brothers. And uh, by the time I was 13, it had escalated to two uncles and two cousins by this time. Wow. Okay. So with... The, going all the way up to the teenage years, you had um, also indicated that you were uh, in a teen dating abusive situation as well. So can you tell uh, yeah. me about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that didn't begin until, um, well, actually at 15, um, I was dating a guy for about six months. And uh, with him, um, we would just see each other periodically at one of my cousin's uh, 15 practices. And uh, he attempted to rape me in one of the back rooms. Um, it was very terrifying to me. And at that point, I had I was serving God fullheartedly. Um, I was singing, you know, lead choir. I mean, we were about to go to nationals, and it really shook my faith. So at that time, I ran from God and ran from everybody. Um, I kind of just shut down. Um, right after that, um, I started dating a guy that supposedly you know at that age okay you think it's it's love but it wasn't um he began to physically beat me all the time at 16 and that was something that I just kind of I thought you know pain and love were one and the same so I accepted it and I accepted it all the way till I was 35 years old from multiple uh you know ex-boyfriends even an ex-husband so I, I just thought you know pain and love were the same since that was all I knew Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With all of this abuse that you experienced, um, where, as far as when you were a teenager, where was your, your mom or your, your dad or, or anyone as far as all of this that was happening to you? Working. They always worked. Um, mm -hmm. That's all they ever did was work. Um, I stayed home or with friends, uh, relatives, you know, I would take off with friends and you know we would go visit other friends and so there was never uh you know a parental you know per there was nobody there to to tell you what's right and wrong or you know protect you or watch over you you know it was just kind of like your friends that was all you had you know um my parents as I said they worked a lot and that's all they did work you know that, that's all they did was work 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 so I mean I was pretty much raising myself and pretty much the streets were raising me too, you know, mm -hmm. and friends. So I just thought that's how it's supposed to be. And that's how it's going to be. 
So um, with all of this that was going on with your teenage years, you go into, um, let's say, young adulthood. Uh, what was life for you like um, now that you were not involved really in the church? You had kind of fell back out of the church. So what, what was going on during that time for you? Um, by the time I was, well, I'll backtrack really quick. At mm-hmm. 13, after my last incident with one of my cousins, um, I attempted suicide for the first time. Okay. Um, at age 18, right after my grandfather passed away, um, I was introduced to the uh, sex industry. So I began to strip at 18. Hey, nobody was raping me, molesting me, touching me, beating me, and it was easy money. So a friend of mine introduced me to that lifestyle, and it was okay for a moment. Mm-hmm. But um, I had so much PTSD. I was afraid of everybody and everything. I always had um, knives on me at any given moment. I had knives stashed in my house everywhere possible because I never knew who was going to come in or who would attack me. Mm-hmm. So at 18, um, I caught a case. I ended up getting in a fight with a girl at the strip club, and I caught a case. And uh, right after that, I attempted suicide for the second time. And I was uh, very, very close. My mom said uh, when we arrived to the hospital, they told her if I would have arrived five minutes later, I would have been dead on arrival. So God had a greater plan. And uh, right after that, I went ahead and I left home with my high school sweetheart, who was the devil in disguise. Mm-hmm. Literally, from the moment we got married, tw- like within 24 hours from us being married, I mean, he was no longer the person that I had thought I married. Mm-hmm. He said I was his property and he would do what he wanted with me. And for me to remember that God didn't like divorce, so I needed to just deal with it. And mm-hmm. he began to rape me almost every day and beat me senseless. No matter where we were, in the street, at stores, in front of his family. Um, in the home, if food wasn't to a certain temperature, the way he liked it, he would throw the dishes at the wall. Um, when he would, when I would call 911 on him, his own family would hold me in the back and cover my mouth. And he would just tell the police officers that the kids were playing with the phone and he would beat me worse. He used to kick me like a dog in my ribs. Um, I mean, he, he, uh, messed up the the nerves in my ears when he used to bust me in my ears in my face he would punch me on the side of my face and my ears and they would just bleed and his family would just you know turn the other cheek mm, my mm-hmm. god in heaven i can't yeah. even imagine you going through all of that and still able to keep going and keep pushing and what, I mean, when was the stopping point when you you came out of out of all of this? I mean, was this just the one incident with this one person, or was there other instances of do, uh, domestic violence? Oh, there was multiple, multiple. Okay. Um, there, I would say maybe give or take thirteen men in the thirty years. Um, the trauma would be. Um, what God had revealed to me later on, um, actually this year, a few months ago, was that I had been pained 700 times in those 30 years. 
a number I had no idea. I, I, I didn't know. I had never needed the number until God revealed that to me. And I was, I was just blown away to even realize that, wow, you know, um, because many had attempted to disfigure me. Many had had fractured bones and many times I couldn't even breathe. You know, um, I had been strangled so many times. Um, I've been raped a total of 83 times um, to date, you know, and uh, I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, wow. And to look at myself now, I, it amazes me at God's love because even in those moments, even in those times, I held on to the little bit of hope that I remembered, you know, being told about as a child. And my grandmother was prayer warrior for 60 years. So to know that my grandmother's prayers did not go in vain, you know, uh, I was protected throughout all that time, even though I sustained whatever injuries or whatever trauma I did. And mentally, at times, I did not think that I could go on. Uh, God's purpose was greater, and I had no idea. And uh, I'm very grateful and honored to be here today and to have completed 38 years uh, just a few weeks ago. Wow, yes. So most of your life, you were surviving, literally surviving. And there was one particular instance that you... We had talked about where uh, one of the abusers was had this technique of some sort in, in bending your arms back or something to yeah. that effect. Yeah, uh, t- tell, tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Um, shortly after I left my ex-husband, um, after escaping him, um, I was vulnerable and in a very, very exposed state. Um, I made a friend clearly while I was working at the local gas station. Um, little did I know that he had been already observing me for six to eight months prior. And so slowly but surely, you know, he's getting me to open up. So I'm unveiling the blueprint of every weakness, everything that has happened to me, not knowing what his true, you know, what his true desire was with me. Or, you know, what he had planned to do with me. I, I had no, no idea. I just thought, oh, this is a friend. And he lived a couple streets away from the gas station. So it was like, oh, okay, you know, hey, he's right here. Cool, maybe I'll spend some time, you know, get, get to know this person. No, um, there should have been a sign at the top of his house that said, welcome to hell. Because literally that was my encounter with hell on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, for the following two years after I actually entered his home, I became captive. And he actually tortured me over 150 times. Um, Some of the methods he did use were to manipulate my uh, nervous system. Um, He found pressure points in my wrist and on my body that he would press and it would actually make me lifeless. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I I wouldn't be able to move. My, My nerves were just like in a shock, shock state, you know. Um, also he would bend my arms back and, uh, pop my bones out of place, out of socket, even in my hands, they're not as, you know, other people's hands are, you could tell like my fingers have been torqued or, you know, twisted and stuff. Um, that's something that my husband and I talk about. Um, and so he would twist my fingers, you know, or pop, like I said, pop bones out of place and pop them back in the socket. Mm-hmm. Um, after I would say, okay, I'm not going to leave or I'm not going to tell on you. 
and and it ultimately what it did was it set me into this uh this place where I didn't think that I could actually leave you know I would go to work and I would come right back as if I was his puppet and he was controlling everything I did um he timed me to and from work um he had friends he reinforced his friends so people were watching me at work people were watching me on the bus people were watching me in the street wherever I would go there was always some eyes on me so it was like he didn't have a job I was his job him figuring out every little thing about me, that was it, you know. And that's one thing I tell a lot of parents, um, you know, what he found easy for him to be able to hold me captive was that my parents and I did not have that, you know, I need to know where my daughter's at all the time kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like, hey, she's gone. Oh, okay, well, we'll hear from her whenever we hear from her. So mm-hmm. he knew I wasn't going to be missed. And he counted on that. And that's one thing I cannot express enough to parents now is I don't care what it is, bug the hell out of your children, mm-hmm. make them realize that you do love them. You will miss them if they're gone. If they don't come home at night, you know what? Mama's going to be calling 50 times on this phone and you know, you better answer. She's going to come look for you. Do it because I, my parents did not even know until recently what this guy did to me. Um, because it was not until I had matured in my faith that God revealed to me every little hole, every little piece of my testimony, um, because I was not fully matured in my mental state, um, physical state, um, psychologically, you know, um, so it was a lot of growth and transition that took place before God even allowed me to, to understand what took place at that time, because emotionally I was a wreck. And I would have probably killed myself back then because I was very suicidal back then because of what I had gone through. Right. And nobody, un- I didn't think anybody understood because to the level of, and to that extreme, what was going on, I thought people would think, oh, she's just dumb for staying in this relationship. But I had no idea how manipulated he was. He had, how manipulated he had controlled me. I mean, like he literally controlled the food I ate. He cooked for me. He watched me shower. He ripped the shower curtain off the shower. I mean, he was sadistic. And when he would abuse me, he would also rape me and strangle me and then wake me as if it aroused him more that I was out, you know, and then wake me and rape me more. So it was it was very sadistic, the things he did. My God in heaven. Mm -hmm. So please tell me, how did you get out of that situation? Um, well, I think God had began to do something in me because, um, I started to feel, okay, there's gotta be a way out. Okay. Something's gotta give. Um, and so I remember there was a night that he had went out with his friends and it was probably like two or three in the morning and he came home and I'm dead asleep. Um, and he, he comes in and he's like, Hey, Hey, you're trying to wake me up. But I'm like, what? I was angry with God because he didn't take me in my sleep. I was angry with God because I kept waking up next to this man. But at the same time, he was beating me so bad and doing the things he was doing to me. I didn't think I could actually walk away from him. Mm -hmm. You know, it was either going to be a life or death thing for us, for either me or him or both of us. You know, either he was going to kill me or I was going to kill him or we're going to kill each other. That's all I was thinking. And so 
whenever he did that, um, I kind of like just gave him a cold shoulder, like, eh, whatever. And for him, you do not um, throw him crazy. You don't make him feel like, you know, whatever he's saying doesn't mean anything. So for me to reject him in any type of way, that totally set him off to a whole new level. So at that moment, he goes to flip the bed while I'm still on it. He flips the bed, flips the mattress over, and I fall to the ground. So I get up enraged, and I'm ready to fight. Um, everything I guess that he had done to me, like in that moment, it was fueling me. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, no, you're gonna fight, Jennifer. You gotta fight. You gotta fight. And so I'm fighting back, and I'm punching him in his head, and swinging, and grabbing anything and everything that I can to hit him with. And he's hitting me, and we're just going at it. Um, I don't know what the room looked like when we were done, but um, I know ultimately the only way that he could stop me was throwing me into the wall. So he threw me into the wall, and my whole torso caved in the wall. And in that, I kind of, like, went, like, I was dazed, you know. I almost passed out. And, like, when I got, like, I looked up, and he's still there, and he is just, just, this this ugly version of him i mean he was just way i mean he looked demonic in that moment mm-hmm. it was just very demonic what i had seen and it was just like you got to fight you got to fight continue to fight like that's all i kept telling myself just fight just fight just fight and uh so finally he throws me up against the wall pins both my arms over my head and um in that i mean he had done it so many times you know i'm trying to you know get out of it and so finally he's coming full force to hit me in my face and I'm moving side to side, you know, and he keeps missing me and keeps missing me. And, uh, finally he administers that pressure point thing on my wrist mm-hmm. and I just like move lifeless. And in that moment he comes full force three times. So what he does, he fractures my nose and he busts my mouth literally open, um, from the impact, um, of the hit. He's my, my, uh, teeth had slit the whole inside of my mouth from when it pressed when he, he hit it you know mm-hmm. and so I had two black eyes I had a fractured nose and I could I, I couldn't stop the bleeding like the bleeding was non-stop like a waterfall and so I fall to the ground and he picks me up he throws me in the restroom pushes my face to the mirror and says look what you made me do to you mm-hmm. and then he gets the hot water and starts throwing it at me so when he walks away I'm standing there just looking in the mirror and I'm like thinking to myself, like, who in the world is this girl? Like, this is not me. This would have never happened to me. I would have never let it get to this point. Like, I'm thinking all these things. And I look at the window and no, he had burglar bars around the windows, but there was a window in his room that um, it was only the window and it didn't have a burglar bar on it. So in that moment, it's like, jump, just go jump. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, how am I supposed to get out this window? It's locked. Well, I jumped out of a locked window, broke the frame, shattered the glass. Um, I'm drenched in blood from head to toe. Mm-hmm. And I just take off running down the street barefoot. And I, I felt like that run was never ending. Like I was never going to get to that payphone. Yeah. So finally I get to the payphone and um, I call 911. And uh, throughout the time that I was with him and even with my ex-husband, when I worked at the local gas station, there was a, a bunch of HPD officers that worked there that knew me and knew that I had been abused and was being abused. And, you know, they would, there was one in particular, an officer Blankenship, and he would tell me all the time, 
Jen, you got to get away. You got to get away. I don't want to get that phone call that this person killed you because that's what's going to ultimately happen. And I was like, oh, no, it's not going to get to that. You know, I'll get, you know, he'll change. And he's like, no, he's not. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've heard that story multiple times. He goes, and I cannot tell you how wrong it is. He goes, they never change. They get worse. And in the end, they end up killing the victim. So when I did make that phone call from that payphone, he was one of the officers that answered. And I remember I was looking down at the ground at this pool of blood because my it was just constant blood, blood, blood coming out. And I heard now, and I look up and it's him and he's in tears and he's upset. And he was like, now, are you going to do something now? Or do I have to get that phone call? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, no, now. And it was like, those are my like guardian angels on the ground, you know, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he, he wouldn't mess with them. He would never mess with cops. You know, right. he always played it safe around the officers, but he knew that they were my friends and he knew they always talked to me. So I'm pretty sure that's one thing that he did fear. And I even told him, I said, you know, he's afraid. Of y'all. He goes, well, he should be, you know, and uh, they went to go get him that night but uh he had barricaded himself in his home he turned himself in three days later Mm. and um i ended up going to the hospital with those injuries um it was a total of um two black eyes the fractured nose busted mouth busted lip um and bruising on 70 percent of my body wow 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 so yeah. we are going to continue this conversation and our part two interview. You guys, I need you to tune in again to hear the rest of Jennifer Corona's extraordinary story because there is a light at the end of the tunnel for this young woman. This young woman here is doing some amazing, powerful things. So you guys are going to have to Stay tuned for part two of my interview with Miss Jennifer Corona. This is Althea with Wove Inspirations. You guys have an awesome day. God bless. Thank you so much for taking time out to listen to Wove Inspiration. If you'd like to follow us, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at W-O-V-E Inspiration. If you want to leave a comment or question, or if you're interested in being a guest on the show, email us at woveinspiration at gmail.com. This is Althea Richardson. I hope everyone has an awesome day and keep moving forward.